just so exciting to be here this morning in this moment. Uh, for those of you that, that don't know, I was here speaking way back in August, and uh, over the last five weeks, I've been traveling to all the different campuses, kind of taking in behind the scenes who is Life Center, and it's just been an absolutely amazing, amazing experience. Last week, I was here, and uh, it was just an incredible opportunity to be with our junior highs and our kids. Um, if you have never been a volunteer in kids ministry, or maybe uh, you are not one of the parents of kids, can I just let you know that the kids here at Life Center Canada know how to worship? Wow. When I tell you that there was a presence of God in the middle of all the crazy actions that I had to follow on the screen, like for me, it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. They all knew the actions and they were just worshiping in the moment. And I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit settle in that room. Like they were like, like grades one to five. It was incredible. And so I just want to tip my hat to each and every one of you, uh, whether you're parents or members of this congregation, we are raising these, these kids together. Right. And so I, uh, I, I'm just so excited to be here. Um, wow. There is so much that I want to say uh, before we dig into the message. But I also have like a lot that I want to dig into. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for the warm welcome, not just this week, but last week as well. I was saying to Pastor Lori through the week that there was just this overwhelming sense of welcoming for me and my family. And I don't know whose idea it was to put my family on the screen when I was standing there getting ready to listen to Pastor Barry, but thanks a lot. That was my heart. Um, I just absolutely uh, adore my family. That's one thing that you're going to learn. Family uh, is a huge deal for me. Uh, some of that coming out of my testimony is that without God, I wouldn't have them. And so I just give all the glory to him today. Uh, but I also want to take the quick second here before we dig in to everything um, to just kind of let you know a little bit about me. Uh, one of the core pieces of my walk with God God is honor. And so I want to take a moment before I, I, I proceed into this induction as lead pastor of this church, which is still wild to me. Uh, I just want to take a second this morning. I don't want to honor a couple people. Uh, first off, I want to honor uh, my, my past lead pastor at Bethel Pentecostal Church, uh, Pastors Peter and Sandra. I just want to honor them for releasing me uh, into this position. Uh, pastor Barry and I, yep. That's awesome. Pastor Barry and I were, were actually speaking this morning, and he said it's not often uh, that a pastor will move down the road into the same city. And uh, I just I just can't tell say enough good things about the church, uh, uh, Bethel Pentecostal, and the pastors that are there. And it is just such a harmonious uh, transition that's taking place uh, that, honestly, all glory to God, because he has, I truly believe, ordained all of this. Uh, I also want to honor uh, Pastor Barry and Pastor Joy this morning. Thank you so much for those words that you spoke over me. Whew, it was a lot, but uh, we're, we're moving with it. And I just thank you so much for uh, the faith and the encouragement that you've spoken already. It, it just touches my heart. And Pastor Terry, I think he's over here somewhere. He just wave at me so I can see you through the lights. There he is. Pastor Terry, I just want to honor you as well uh, for the years of service. Yeah. 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 And uh, 
As I said already, my family is super important to me, and I know just from the things that I've heard about you that your family plays a key role in, in your life as well. And so I just, I just am so excited to journey together through whatever it is that God has in store for this amazing congregation of Canada, for me and my family, to you and yours. We're doing this together. And uh, so I just honor you. Thank you so much for what you said and the passing of this bowl. I have this up here uh, just as a reminder that my position is not uh, uh, of one on the stage, but as one of servanthood. And I just appreciate that, that symbol so much. And that'll be up here uh, the entire time while, while we share together. Uh, lastly, I would like to honor Pastor Lori. And I would actually like to ask Pastor Lori to come and join me up on stage. Come on up. Come on up. Can you guys give it up for Pastor Lori? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yes, I'll have the other pastors on staff. You guys can come and join me up on stage, Pastor Lori. We have a couple of gifts for you today. Now, for those of you that are new, like myself, welcome. Uh, for those of you that have been here for the past three months, four months, whatever it's been, Pastor Lori has stepped so gracefully into the role of interim pastor that everything uh, that I have stepped into, even over the last couple of weeks behind the scenes, uh, has really been prepared uh, by you. And we just want to thank you on behalf of Pastor Sam, Pastor Sarah, Pastor Karen. It has been amazing to see the impact that you've had on their lives. Uh, everybody that I've already spoken to has told me how amazing you are and how great you are. And so I just want to echo that. And I just wanted to speak over your life. I was reminded of the time where the disciples were standing with Jesus and they were telling him all the things that people were saying, right? This is who they think you are. And Jesus stopped and said, okay, but who do you think that I am? And Peter stepped up and not only spoke words, but spoke to Jesus' character. And uh, Jesus, in turn, said that was by the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to speak into your character right now for a quick second and let you know that I see what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And that you have been called for such a time as this. That you and Jason together, but you specifically are called as pastor, not just of Life Center Orleans and Canada and Cornwall, but I believe that God is expanding the jurisdiction to all of Ottawa, and that we are going to see your influence begin to take shape all across this city. And so thank you on behalf of the congregation. Thank you on behalf of the staff. And thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for everything that you've done. And on behalf of all of us, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. Okay, we absolutely love you. And uh, we just can't wait to see your face here all the time. And we're excited. We're excited. So can we pray for Pastor Lori this morning? You guys can come, and we'll just ask you to step up here so that they can gather around you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Pastor Lori. I thank you for the call on her life and her story, God, that has brought us all to this moment of such an amazing and just Holy Spirit-inspired handoff today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I've seen and I've heard what you're doing in her heart, Lord Jesus, in a season that she may not have known that was coming, but God, that you had prepared her for this time, that God, you had ordained this time, Lord Jesus, that over this time, you have not wasted your time, God, but that you have done a powerful work in her heart. Lord, you have done a powerful work in her life. And Lord, we are just so excited to stand behind her, to stand, Lord Jesus, beside her, to lift her arms skyward, Lord Jesus, and just encourage her, God, to continue the good fight.
God, to continue the journey that you have set before her, knowing, Lord Jesus, that wherever it is that you take her, we're coming to. And God, I just, I just proclaim that over her life and over her family, God. May you give health and strength and revelation. God, I pray that you would give new insight and a deeper understanding of you, God. A deeper understanding of you. For as we know you more, God, we will also have ourselves revealed in that. And so I pray that over Pastor Lori today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You guys give it up for Pastor Lori. Yes. Awesome. All right. So for those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Mitchell Pitt. I am the new lead pastor here in Canada, and uh, I am so excited. I have had such an awesome opportunity to get to know Pastor Karen, who's really quickly making her way. But Pastor Karen, we see you. We honor you. We love you. And uh, Pastor Sam uh, was actually one of my youth way back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how old I am. And uh, so when I first came to the city. Pastor Sam was a part of our youth group, and so we released him uh, to Summit to go to Bible College and then welcomed him back to the city. And now here we are working together, which is amazing. And Pastor Sarah and Jamie, uh, we actually, she was a youth leader for me when I first came to the city. And now here we are working together once again at this amazing church. And uh, I just love you guys so much and I'm so excited. One of my favorite things about the journey with God is that it really is that it's a journey. It's a journey. And I'm so excited to get to know all of your stories. I'm so excited to let you know a little bit of my story each and every week that you come back. You'll get a little more insight into who I am and what has brought me to this point. And uh, in all of it, it is amazing. The testimony that goes out in this journey with Jesus points back to the cross. And I love that. I'm extremely excited about story, and so this week I get to jump into week five of our series, Trust Scripture. And this is a really exciting one because we're talking about what should the Bible do. We've already spoken about what is the Bible. We've spoken about what is the Bible about. We talked about who the true hero of the Bible is, God the Father. His name is Jesus. We talked last week about how the Bible should help us live like Jesus. And if you were here last week, there was a Holy Spirit moment that was just unleashed across this place. And so, uh, as I already have, I thank Pastor Lori for uh, her leadership here, but I also want to thank the congregation for being willing to enter into that moment. We are going to continue to ask God to do just that. I, I just want to encourage you that uh, a part of my relationship with God uh, is really focused on Holy Spirit, interacting with the Holy Spirit, learning from the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you as we continue to journey together to allow the Holy Spirit to speak and shape your life. Because God needs to be known here in this city. Kanata needs to know Jesus. And as the light in Kanata begins to shine, we're believing that the rest of the city will see Jesus as well. Because I don't know about you, but my Bible tells me that he died for everyone. And so every person that we come across, they may not know Jesus, but I always say they just don't know him yet. Amen? Amen? And so for us in the room, I don't know why he chose you, but he chose you first. That you would know him on that deep and passionate level so that others could know him as well. And this week we get to talk about what should the Bible 
do? What should the Bible do? If you've been attending our past uh, lessons, you'll, you'll hear this. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing this. Uh, but in other disciplines, scholars have developed a better way to understand the Bible that is called grammatico-historical method. What this means is, R.C. Sproul puts it much cleaner than I ever could, so let's read that today. It says, this hermeneutical approach investigates the original culture setting of the text and focuses on grammar and syntax in order to understand that the, what the author of the text meant when he wrote this to the original audience. So why is it important that we talk about this today? Because what the Bible should do and what it's been used for historically can sometimes be two different things. See, the the beautiful thing about Christianity is that this is a journey. This is a journey that will every single day, every moment, lead us closer to a deeper understanding of who God is. Amen? That's the point. That's what it should do. But as we all know, growing up and learning things, there's always times that you should do something, but it's not always what you do. I remember being young, you know, six, seven, eight years old, and uh, I remember as my parents would instruct me what I should do, right? An immediate response was, all right, how do I not do that thing, right? Or my parents would be instructing me of what I should do, and I would take like half of what they said, right, and just begin to act out on that already, or my parents' absolute favorite, and for those of you who are parents RL or remember being kids yourself, uh, my absolute favorite was taking about half of what they said and then telling them why they should listen to me instead right? And so I have the beautiful opportunity uh, to be the dad of two young boys. Uh, Sawyer is 11, Miles is 8, and Sawyer is at that age uh, where he already knows more than I do and uh, lets me know of that frequently, so I appreciate that. And it's all a journey. See, as we are journeying through the story of life, we begin to learn that we don't actually have it all figured out. 35 years of age, which is about the time that I remember, uh, uh, like, like looking at my dad, I remember him at this age, and I remember how old he was, right, at 35. I remember just being like, wow, my dad is old, and he thinks he knows all this stuff, but he doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. But then when I hit 16, there's this beautiful, like, like, like tension that happens where you don't want to admit that your parents might know more than you thought, but you can kind of like see the wisdom there a little bit. And then all of a sudden you hit, you know, 23, 24, 25, you're like, oh my goodness, right? And I don't know if you've had that opportunity, but I've had that opportunity to go back to my dad and say, hey, uh, sorry? My bad? My bad? Now, you know, it's just, it's a learning experience. And I think it's important that we come to our journey with Christ in the same way. See, if we can download what it is that we're journeying through in this series of trusting Scripture, if we can download what it truly means to journey with God, if we can today take a mature approach to Scripture, it will save us a lot of the pain. It will save us a lot of the heartache. It will save us a lot of those stories that you and I both have in our own lives from when we were young and didn't listen to our parents. Hello. Right? All the parents said, amen. Amen. My kids will watch this afterwards. All right, that's good. (laughs) That's good. Because this is important. Listen, Jesus and God, they are on our side. Scripture has been given to us to point the way to him. And as we've already prayed this morning, as we get to know God more, we will better understand ourselves. As we get to know the Father more, we will better understand why you were placed here in Canada. 
As we get to understand God more, we will better understand why he has called you to this church. For every single one of us today are here for a reason. And so it's important that we understand that what the Bible should do and what it's been used throughout history can sometimes be totally, two totally different things. We've seen as the Bible has been used to bring healing and peace to a land, but I've also watched and, and experienced and read through church history as the Bible has been picked and, and chosen different instruments and, and different verses where people would use it to further their own agenda. Where, where, where countries would, learn, would use it to further their own plan for power, their own plans for violence. But I want to encourage you today that that is not the intent of God's Scripture. The intent of God's Scripture is that we would be renewed, is that we would understand Him deeper. And so we need to just dig in this morning and ask ourselves a, a little level of deeper questions. You know, what is it that has formed our beliefs in God? Is it others' opinions of who they think God is and how they've seen him work in this world? Have we allowed our own experience and other people's experience to shape how it is that, that God is viewed in our lives? Or, or is it Scripture? Have we allowed God's Word to stand in opposition sometimes to our experience? Have we allowed God's Word to stand in opposition to how other people say, think and what they say? See, if our beliefs have changed over the years, if, they believe, if they've changed over time, we really need to ask ourselves, has the change in how I see God shifted by living under constant cultural pressure? Or is that shift from the Bible itself? See, these are two totally different things. I was raised in a church where the, the intent and, and, and the heart behind everything was, was so strong. My dad is actually the pastor of this church, and so I love him and I trust him. And, and the intent was always good, but we were living in a time, I was raised in a time where church was extremely legalistic. It wasn't about how much you knew God as much as it was about what you were doing for him. And so this drastically changed and shaped the way that I was raised to understand who God was. I constantly would picture God as this old man with a long, beautiful beard, because it was beautiful. But I would always picture him as this old man with a long, beautiful beard, and he'd be sitting on a chair, and he'd have one of those judge hammers. And I remember uh, sharing with a youth group, and they were like, it's called a gavel. And I was like, okay, thank you. And I would always picture God as sitting there with the gavel. And any time that I would step out of line with what he wanted, any time that I would make a mistake, I would always in my mind imagine that God would slam the gavel and say guilty. See, I had this such fear of God. And we have to understand that fear of God when taken in the proper context is correct. But fear of God where we're worried about a father who will constantly discipline and constantly take a piece out of us is not proper spiritual hermeneutics. That is not who the scripture shows us who God is. And so even though the heart and the passion of the church that I was raised in was correct, the way that we were living out the Bible created in me at 12 years old a young person who looked at God and said, this isn't lining up, I'm done. This is why it's so important for us, church. Hello. 
This is why it's so important for us to have a deep understanding of how to read Scripture and why to trust it. Because we are raising up a generation. Amen? Come on. Come on. 63 students went to junior high retreat. That's the next generation. And it is our call on our lives not to just figure out what's good for us, but what is good for us through Jesus to set the example for that next generation. Who one day, same thing, we will pass the baton. Right? We will pass the bowl. We will pass that servanthood and say, we have done our part, now you do yours. But if they do not have a proper understanding of, of God, how can we fully trust them to stand in where God wants them to go for this city? See, we need to set the example first. So Howard and William Hendricks say this, the ultimate goal of Bible study is not to do something to the Bible, but to allow the Bible to do something to you. When we read Scripture, it's not about what I can get out of this. It's, God, how would you have me shift? So let's practice this today. Let's read uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which is uh, known to many of us. If this is the first time that you're uh, reading this today and you're taking notes, write this one down. It is a powerful portion of Scripture. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Can we just close our eyes this morning? I'll read this one more time. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thank you, God, for speaking today. Thank you, God. Let's pray as we dig in today. I just feel the Holy Spirit would help us pray over that scripture today. God, I pray right now over each and every one of us, Lord, that we would dig into your word, Lord Jesus. For any anxiety, Lord God, for any uh, fear, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just step in on that right now. And by prayer, Lord Jesus, with thanksgiving, God, and supplication, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak into each and every different situation and that we would see and know you in a new way today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And Life Center Canada said, amen. amen, amen. So it is important for us because we need to dig into these scriptures and three things that we need to let the Bible do is shape our head, our heart, and our hands to be more like Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, how does rooting and meditating on Philippians 4, chapter 6, shape my head, my heart, and my hands? How is it that we can dig into this? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to not just take one scripture and let it stand on its own, but we need to develop scripture and an understanding of why Paul wrote this verse. See, Paul is actually writing the book of Philippians while he's in uh, prison and while he's, he, he's writing it to a Roman col colony in Philippi in AD 62. And the central theme of the entire book is encouragement, which is incredible because Paul's in prison. Like, that always just kills me. Like, Paul writes so many of these amazing books that we find in the New Testament. As he's sitting there awaiting his own sentencing, his encouragement, his heart, the Holy Spirit's guidance in his life is to make sure that everybody else is also doing okay. Church, I want to encourage you 
that even in times when life can seem upside down and the chaos can seem, oh, like it's just absolutely dominating, because of God, we can still encourage people in that season. Come on. It's important also that we not only understand the historical context, the meaning of the scripture, but we read this morning from the ESV, and there's a really cool thing that you can do as uh, you're opening up your different translations of the Bible, is that at the very beginning, that part that we normally skip over, uh, there is an explanation of why the translators translated it that way. And so part of the ESV is that Christian maturity does not come through mystical insights available only to a few, but rather through the patient practice of the familiar virtues and love and service to others. This is one of the reasons why the translators, as they were looking through uh, Philippians 4, 6, decided that, you know, the Greek would would actually shift into this, is that this is to, to be read collectively to point to God. So we need to allow the Bible to shape our minds, to touch our, to touch our heads. So here's four questions that we can uh, just dig into as we read through Philippians 4, 6. And I'm going to go through this quickly. As I said, you came to the right service because that beginning, that was just heart, right? And so now I have all these notes that we want to get through. But uh, again, let's uh, dig into these together. It is going to be powerful, but it's going to go quick. So if you're taking notes, get your pen ready. And if you're cramped up at the end, that's okay. All right, that's all right. All right, here we go. First question that we need to ask is when we read through Scripture, what does it teach me about God's nature. Second thing, when I read through scripture, what does it teach me about myself in relation to God? That's important, right? We don't read scripture just for ourselves. Come on. So good. All right, so what does it teach me about myself in relation to God? Third thing, what does it teach me about my life in Christ? Are you getting the the pattern here? Right? It's us, but through. Okay, good. All right, so Philippians 4, 6, for specifically, what does this teach me about other people's behavior and how I need to interpret that through the Father? So let's reread Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, 4 to 7, as we have these, these questions now in our head. We go back a little bit in the, in the verse because it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul is writing this in prison. Wow. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I just want to proclaim that over 2022. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first question was, what does this scripture teach me about God's nature? First thing it reminds us is that God cares about us. God cares about us. This church in Philippi, they were reading this letter from this amazing apostle named Paul who the Holy Spirit had placed it on Paul's heart to write these words to them on his behalf. God cares about us, and he cares about the things that make us anxious. Family, I just want to encourage you today that there will be times where anxiety will try to creep in. There will be times where because of fear and different situations that we're in, where we may have that tendency to freeze up and God sees that, he knows that, and he loves you. Question number two, what does this teach me about myself in relationship to God? It teaches us that it's okay to not be okay. 
Come on. Come on. This is important, church. Because if we teach otherwise, then we will go out and live in a way that shows the world that Christians are only happy and only blessed and only smiling. It's just not true. Christians are real people. Hello? And we have bad days and terrible things happen, right? And we don't put on a fake face. We walk boldly into those situations with Christ. It's okay to be okay. God sees your anxiousness. He sees your fear. He sees your doubts. He sees your insecurities, and he still loves you. Come on. But God doesn't desire to leave you there. Come on. See, this is a a word of encouragement. God's desire is to help you move beyond those things. Specifically, in Philippians 4, 6, God wants to let us know that he wants us to move from anxiety to his peace. What does this teach us about our life in Christ? Well, it teaches us that in following Jesus, by prayer, all things are possible. And prayer is an essential practice to develop uh, uh, peace and joy and love and all the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. Church, it's so important. Prayer is not just something we do on Sunday. Prayer is not just something we do with our kids before we put them to sleep. Prayer is not just something we do when things are going hard. Prayer is our lifeblood. Prayer is our lifeblood. And we need to make sure that we're not just coming to God as though he were a genie and when, when, when we're feeling times of anxiousness and, and times of doubt and all these things, God encourages us to go to him in prayer, but he also encourages us to go to him in prayer when the rejoicing comes and when that peace breaks through. What does this teach us about other humans and, and other people's behavior? It teaches us that anxiety is a human issue with a divine direction. One of the things, and, and again, I'm going quickly. <laughs> uh, one of the things uh, that I always have encouraged our young people with is I always encourage people that uh, the words that you speak over yourself are important. And so I've always encouraged our young people, and I encourage you as a congregation to, to continue this, is that they are not anxious, right? And if you are here today and you deal with anxiety, you're not anxious. You're just dealing with anxiety. But what you are is God's son and daughter. What you are is a prince and a princess that belong to the heavenly kingdom. See, anxiety is just a symptom of this broken world that we're journeying with, but you are something much deeper. So how should the Bible shape our affections? Well, let's move to Matthew chapter 11 together. Uh, As we dig into this, please understand that uh, as we're digging into this one verse, let's read it together. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, the the framing of of this verse is super important. Also important when we dig into trusting scripture, that we don't just take one scripture and let it speak on its own. Amen? It's not just to be spoken on its own. We need to understand that here Jesus has heard uh, that John the Baptist has been thrown into, into prison by Herod. And that Herod is using his position, is using his power to stand against the kingdom of God. The preceding 12 verses right after this one in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus begins to speak as how we as humans are never satisfied. He uses John the Baptist as an example as people were going to him and they had all these expectations as who he was or maybe they heard that there was miracles taking place and they walked into that moment. But here, Jesus is reminding them there is something bigger going on. 
says that cities and cultures and, pe- and, and people who see the miracles of God but won't repent that when God and they see God at the end, that this is something that he will take note of. Finally, Jesus ends by casting a vision in a different way. He begins to reveal what the kingdom of God truly is. In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. I just believe somebody needed to to hear that today. Be reminded that this isn't just simply words on a screen, but that this is God's message for you. So speaking to our affections, what does this passage encourage us to feel and to love? Well, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus encouraged us to feel the tension of living in between these two kingdoms. See, we're born into the kingdom of man that, 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 that just loves, you know, the Herod and, and how he was placed in this position of power and you use that position of power for your own means and continue your own, your own agenda. But now we have been reborn, for those of us who know Jesus, into his kingdom. And his kingdom is like the upside down. His kingdom is completely different. See, we don't take positions and equate them to power, but instead we take the positions and say, how can we serve? How can we make ourselves less so that God could be more? Whether you're CEOs or in charge of a team or whatever the case may be, this portion of Scripture, God is speaking to us and saying, don't live like Herod. Don't take that position as an opportunity to step on and step over Don't take that position of influence over different people in your workplace or your neighborhood or your school, whatever the case may be, as an opportunity to use it for your own means, but instead ask God, God, what would you have me do in this moment so that I can bring rest, so that I can make sure that not only is my own burden light, but that, God, that those around me, that their burden is less as well. So what does God ask us to love? He asks us to love God. To love gentleness in contrast to force and violence. That we are not supposed to make temples to those things, amen? But instead that we value gentleness, we value love. And what does it ask us in our affections to hate? It asks us to hate the damage and and, and violence that, that this type of living does to families, to lives, and to nations. To collectively stand against that and say, not here, not us. Lastly, in Matthew 11, it invites us to rest, to take and to learn from Jesus as distinctly different from Herod. Nowhere in this scripture does Jesus tell us that through violence that we will take everything back. However, he invites us to take on his yoke, which is easy and which is light. I'll close with this today. How does this change our actions? How does this change our actions? See, as we read through Scripture, practice makes perfect. Amen? As we read through Scripture, practice makes perfect. Journeying with God is a journey. And reading through scriptures, even this morning, maybe you've seen these these examples and these verses in a brand new light. That's amazing. That's what God wants for us. That every time that we would come here on a Sunday, every time that we dig into his scripture, that we would see that practice makes perfect. 
And that we would step in for each other, that we would step in in those moments and encourage one another when we see that maybe our our theology is off or maybe that we begin to read scripture uh, poorly, that we would understand that, hey, we can correct these things in Jesus' name. When I was growing up, I played a lot of hockey. And uh, I would love to say that I was just a sick sniper from an early age. I tell my kids I was, so please, if you could continue, like, right? Like, because they're already kind of better. Anyway, um, and so I remember from a very early age watching as, as people in, in this sport that their shots were developing at this crazy margin. And I went up to my dad and I said, Dad, why can't I shoot like them? I said, well, Mitch, you know Kyle? His dad told me he practices for three hours every day after school. And you know Reed, who, who's on your wing in, in, in hockey? Well, he's been going to camps, and, and he's been working on it. And when he comes home from school, he actually laces his skates up, and he goes out onto the outdoor rink. See, you're frustrated because it's not just coming to you naturally. And it's not just coming to you easily. You're beginning to compare your shot and, and your experience on the ice to all these people who, behind the scenes, you don't realize they're putting time in. How should this change our actions? Church, I want to encourage you that God is calling us to a deeper moment in Scripture. To elevate Scripture in our lives is our way to know Him more. And that we can actually begin to change and we can actually begin to shift and transform our own lives as we read His Word. Amen? This can happen. How do I know this? Because it happened in my own life. See, I was raised in a church that, that, that was legalistic and I had this broken image of God as God the judge and that he was constantly disappointed in me. I remember any time I would uh, fall down the stairs or stub my toe in a wall, I would in my own mind be like, okay, I deserve that one. At 18 years of age, God stepped back into my life in the darkest moment of my life, God stepped in. And it forced me to go back to Scripture and reread this thing because it, it was amazing that God was speaking to me. It was amazing that God was stepping in. But the hardest thing for me to understand was, why is God speaking to me now? Because I hadn't repented. I hadn't made things right. And I thought that God only loved me when I was living righteously for Him. But I had to go back to Scripture, and I had to reread all of these things. And as I went through the Old Testament that I thought was just full of violence and, and a wicked God, what I realized was that it is a constant God who is pointing to a Messiah who will come and bring the world to redemption. As I read through the New Testament, I began to realize this is the God who showed up. This is the God who revealed himself. A God who would come in his own flesh. Pay a price that I couldn't pay. And as I read through scripture, I began to know God more. And my encouragement for you as we close today is that you would trust Scripture because I don't know how long you've been journeying with God, what you know about Him, but you can know Him more. There's more for us. There's more for us.
And so I leave you with this. I believe that God is going to do something special here. And I am committed not to stand at the front of the line, but to take my rightful position in the back and serve as God has called me to serve and to equip and encourage each and every one that we would raise up holy, God-fearing families in this place and that we would see new salvations come to this church and that we would raise up our understanding and our reading of God's word and encourage one another together to dive in for everything that God has for us. And so church, I thank you so much for being with me today, for praying over me today. Uh, But for me, it's so much more than this moment. This is the beginning of a journey that God has for us, for this amazing city. And so let me pray this morning as we leave. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for this church. I thank you for your son. God, I thank you for your word. God, through your word, we can know you more. And so, Lord, I pray that your, your mysteries would be unraveled here in this, in this uh, meeting, in this congregation, God, that we would stand in awe of who you are, God. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us, and we commit together, Lord, that we will read your scripture and not ask what it can do for us, but, God, we will dig into your scripture and ask, God, what will you do through us as we get to know you more? And so, Lord, we commit that to you today. And we ask in Jesus' name that you be with us and go with us from this place. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.